Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 134. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have back with us the award-winning children's book authoress, Sarah Woodard. Sarah. Hey, Barney. Thanks for having me back. You're welcome. So you were back here. You were episode 91. You were here back in July. Just did the math. Pulled up your website. Since July, you've published 13 new books. I will trust your math on that. <laughs> so when never you, not writing. <laughs> never. Ex- <laughs> so I just want to. So we looked at when you were when you were here when you were here last July. Is it like July 7th was when you were here? Okay. We were just talking about Little Bear Scary Day that came out two days. About the day of when I when we published when we did that little bear okay. scary day that was just July seventh. Then July fourteenth, it came out with Jenny's gift. Okay, uh, Jenny's gift, um, which is about a, which is about looking at that poor Elliot. He's sad, and no one wants to be around him because he's so sad. That makes him even sadder. One day, Jenny changes everything with a silent gift. What do you think it is? So that's. That that came out. That was book number one. So, not to go too I wish deep there was into. A way it. You could sort them. Yeah, right here. So, and then you hear Sally's sad day came out July twenty fifth. That was number two. Yeah. Billy's big day. That yeah. was number three. That was August sixth. Baby Cottontail's new friend August twenty fourth. That was four. Eleanor and Elroy. Yeah. Five. Caring for Coyote, six. Valentine's Adventures, seven. Willie's Stuck Day, eight. Batia's Lunch. Did I say that right? Yep. Nine. Fred's New Friend, 10. Aura's Busy Day, 11. The Beginning, 12. And then Tango and Jim Find Love, 13. 13 books. 13 (laughs) books there that you just produced. Within six months. What can I say? My illustrator's the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> I have like so, and like just this recent book came out four days ago. Tango and Jim find love. That yeah. just came out. Uh, so obviously, we get into it. We, we 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 we've talked to children's book authors on the show in the past, um, and and it's great to talk to them when they when they come out with a book. Um, you come out with two books a month right now, and you said you are now at 44, I believe. 44 books. You've published 44 books so far. Yes. And as if so, people check out uh, episode 91. Um, and um, I'll do the finger thing. So when I actually do this and edit, we'll say so. Check out the link below. I'll do that. And then so live, you're not seeing this, but <laughs> or if you're listening, I'm pointing my finger down to the upper. Uh, the the lower right hand side of the screen. Click on the link and you'll read and you'll see Sarah's um, uh, Sarah's first interview with us, um, where you talked about that you wanted to you wanted to match Richard Scarry's uh, Richard Scarry's uh, thing he made. How many books did he publish? Three hundred. You want to beat that, but now you found 
something else that like, you're yes, not having I discovered a a children's author who I believe is still alive and she has made she's done 400. So now I got to beat that. <laughs> I'm a little yeah. competitive. Yeah. <laughs> but you can do it, right? Oh, I have no doubt. Like like we talked about last time, stories are literally everywhere. My right. backlog has just grown since the last time I was here. I think <laughs> well I just said I just got number 75 written back from my publisher. So that makes my not my publisher, my editor, rather. Sorry. Um, so that makes my backlog. 30 something. 31. 31-ish. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So you have 31 books you've already written. That, or, yeah, that are uh, like that are written but have not gotten to my illustrator yet. They're in the queue is what I call them. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah, they're written, they're edited. My illustrator is the bomb. He draws really fast. But, you know, there's right. still only so much he can do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. So so talk to us a bit about what, so just for the, um, for, our, for our listeners and viewers out there who struggle. Daddy's in a meeting right now. Okay. All right. Hang on. Okay. After. Okay. All right. All right. Do you want to, do you want to say hi? Okay. All right. Well, Daddy'll be back. Daddy'll be up in uh, fifty minutes. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Yeah. After. After. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I love it. It's a, it's a school night. I'll be up in a little bit. Okay. Go. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna timestamp this so I can edit this part out. Yeah. Um, Thirty. There we go. All right. So, all right, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. And so, so Sarah, tell us about those that, 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 that struggle with like, you know, writing their own books, uh, children's book authors and whatnot. Um, how, how, what's your process? What's your process like to put together, uh, put, put together a script, a book script and how many so, pages is that usually? My process is really different, and I don't know that it's one that will work for everyone, although I certainly encourage everyone to try. Um, I think a lot of writers, we, we hear, you know, for, through like NaNoWriMo and just sort of, you know, teachers and whatever, like, you need to go just be in a room and sit in front of your computer and write stuff. Even if you delete it later, like, you need to just write things. Every day, write something. I think that's crap. All that does is make you frustrated. And I think it actually contributes to writer's block because you're sitting there going, I have to write something. You don't have to write anything. My process is about remaining open, waiting mm -hmm. for that inspiration. And when that inspiration comes, don't even write then sit down and try to write. Just kind of lift it up to the universe and say, hey, I would love for this to become a book. And then wait some more. And if it's supposed to be a book, it sort of will start to write itself in your head. Mm. And when you start to feel that, you can sit down and write it. And it kind of just comes out done. It still needs to be edited and polished and all of that, but it comes out, the story is there, the arc is there, the characters are there. Right. So yeah, I'm not, I'm an advocate of just allowing and, and, and waiting for that inspiration instead of, I have to write something right 
<laughs> and and so so where where you're at now and like you know you know previously you kind of started getting into writing children's books are you now this is your track you're gonna but this is your yeah. your children's book track are you yeah. ever going to get back to like writing some of your self-help guides or anything like that or i remain open to whatever feels like the next best right thing but right. like i said i've got a huge backlog of children's books and it does seem to be sort of the the way that things show up in my brain, I guess is how we'll put it. Right. Um, yeah. And and it really for me is, and we talked about this a little last time too. It's really, and I've sort of really started to step up and own this. It's really about raising, helping raise that next generation of activists, right? Like kids are even activists now, mm -hmm. and we can talk about the ways that they are, but it's also about helping them to figure out like here's what I'm passionate about and here's how I can feel empowered about that and make a difference right now and in the future. And yeah, I don't see anything other than children's books coming down the pike, but I, I, I never say never. Right. And so where do you, uh, and where do you see kind of like the, the age range that you have for, Four to nine, usually some, you know, some might, and if you look at each one on Amazon, like some will say four to seven and some will say five to nine, because I do try to um, split it up a little for things that are maybe a little more difficult to read or a little more advanced, mm -hmm. um, like not, not necessarily word choice wise, but um, topics wise, like some things are maybe not appropriate for a four-year-old. Right. Um, but I still think it's also like as parents, know your kid, right? Mm -hmm. If if you have a four-year-old who is super mature, they could probably be okay. If you have a seven-year-old who is very sensitive, maybe you want to start with something that's a little bit easier mm. than, right? So you, you got to just know your child, read the book first, see how they would, see if you feel comfortable sharing it with them. Right. I don't believe any of them are uncomfortable for any kid, but I don't know your child personally. Okay. Yeah. And so do the responsible thing and read the book first and make sure. Um, <laughs> and I say that with every children's book you buy, right? Like you might think you're buying a book that's about colors and numbers, but when you sit down to read it, maybe there's some underlying thing in there that you aren't a big fan of. Right. So I think you should read all the books first before you share them with your kids. Right. Where do you, so as you bring that up, if you say, for instance, you know, someone's listening and says, Hey, I'm, I'm putting this children's book together. Sarah, how do I know what the age range is? Is there a kind of a looking at it from that perspective? Um, so yeah. there are different tools and stuff out there. I've found them all to be kind of not super great. Um, but my, I'm, my background is I'm trained. I'm, I'm actually, my degree is in K to 12 special ed. So I sort of have that in my, in my brain knowledge, if you will, um, just from, from my education and my training, although it's not, you know, what I do with my life now. Um, there are different tools out there, but I also think if you're not sure, show it to librarians, show it to teachers of the ages you think it's for, and they'll let you know, like, no, this is not appropriate or no, this is good or whatever. Like, you know, you're not, writing can feel like a very solitary thing. Like you're in your bubble and you're typing the stuff, but it's really not a bubble. 
and you're allowed to ask people for their input and for their help at any stage in the process. Mm. Yeah. And so when you talk about when we, before we went live, you mentioned that you had an editor, some like a proofreader. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and of course, of course that you also have Carlos Lopez, who's your amazing illustrator, yes. who, who is, uh, who the can, bomb. who could, yes, yeah, seems as though that he can illustrate almost just as fast as you can write these. So, uh, I guess 13 books in six months. That's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> He's amazing. He's, I really, and it's interesting because his process is very similar. I'll send him the, you know, the word doc or the Google doc with the, with the words and, you know, the page numbers and stuff. Mm. And he sits down and he does some yoga and does some meditation and he waits for the images to show up. And then the, the drawing happens really fast because he already knows what they're supposed to look like. Right. And do you have, so you have that, ed you have that proofreader, the editor, and you have Carl is, is that the, uh, a good two people that any children's book illustrator is going to need, or do you see, or do you see yeah, absolutely. any more in there? I, I mean, unless you're also illustrating yourself, um, okay. but you're de they definitely have to be edited. Yeah. Okay. So there's not that many words, but they still need to be the right words and the right punctuation, especially because it's for little kids. If you're right. using grammar and punctuation, that's confusing. To an adult, imagine how confusing it would be for a kid when they're still just learning this whole English language thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, how minimal. is so how is it different for say your latest book, Tango and Jim Find Love, as compared to your first couple children's books? How different is your writing? So my very first book, Adri's Big Dream. I would say the biggest difference between that and basically every book that followed is that Adri's Big Dream has more words. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it, I'm not gonna, it, it still fits into all of like category wise and topically wise, it still fits into everything I do now. Right. Um, but the, the, the biggest feedback I got from it was Sarah, we love this story, it's amazing but you might want to just do fewer words. And so my second book, Gabby's Special Day, has fewer words. And every book after that sort of follows in in that sort of venue of just, or whatever the word is, not venue, but in that vein of um, right. not quite so many words on a page. But I tell you, like, I think that every writer publishes a few six whatever books before they sort of hit their stride and figure it out um i think last time we were here we talked about this too that i'm rereading at my, all of the agatha christie's from in order that they were published mm. i'm still working through that because there's a lot of them um and but one of the things i noticed is that like it took like four or five books for it to really start to sound like iconic christie it was like oh you know this is good Good story, but this isn't what I remember Agatha Christie being like. And then like, you know, somewhere between four and six books and it was like, oh, here she is. Right. So I think it takes us, you know, it takes you a little while to hit your stride. It doesn't mean it's not worth reading. Doesn't mean it wasn't worth writing. Doesn't mean you shouldn't have published it. It just means you're growing and you're changing and that's okay. Right. So out of, out of your, out of, out of your 44 books that you've had so far, is there any surprises that you've seen for, that you were surprised about the reception of it, of any particular ones? Hmm. Well, 
Yeah, I guess. Um, so Little Bear Scary Day, which we I guess we talked about last time because it had just come out, was I don't want to say surprising, um, but it was sort of the first time that anything like this had happened. It was um, noticed or really I shared it with the Protect Our Wildlife group, um, that nonprofit, mm. and they shared it on their social medias. And the next thing I know, it's flying, metaphorically speaking, flying off the shelves. Right. And reviews are getting dropped left and right. And including some pe from people who clearly are like, but we do, we do hound bears and we think that's okay. And they probably didn't even read the book, but they're leaving reviews just saying, this is a book. This is just an, another anti-book. This is just haters, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. They're welcome to have their opinion. That's okay. Like we're all entitled to our opinions. But I was like laughing because every single one of those reviews contributes to the total number. Right. And here's a little secret for y'all. Um, books with 50 or more reviews get put into Amazon's newsletter. So I'm like, come on, keep leaving the reviews. I don't even care what they say. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get quite to 50, but it was pretty exciting. Like watching that happen, right. um, you know, and like, and that book also, um, it made best, best new release in its category the day that it came out. Oh, cool. And so that was, that was super exciting. That was super exciting. So, so talk to us a bit about also just when uh, script writing for a, for a children's book. Is there a certain format that every children's book like that that you found that you have to do, where like every children's book kind of starts off with a you know, like a main character and a problem? And so, I think that there's different sort of templates, if you will. Mm. Um, mine are very character driven, like. I have unique, as, as you and I, I think I've talked about before, I have unique heroes, right? And so mine are very character driven. Um, but, and they're all, and they're obviously very problem and solution driven because they're all about morals and lessons. But some books aren't, don't follow that same arc. Some are more about, you know, some children's books are more about teaching things like colors or numbers or the alphabet or um, they're just like a fun bedtime story or whatever, right? So I think that, it kind of depends what you're writing about and what your purpose is for writing it. And that's really important to keep in mind is what is your purpose? Why are right. you writing this? Um, and I kind of caution people away from falling into any sort of template because then I, I think it, it starts to get noticed. And I think it actually detracts from the quality of the work that you produce. Um, this is adult reading, but um what is his name there? I forget his name right now, but he writes the Alex Cross books. Um, John Patterson. Hmm. Um, I am a huge mystery buff. And at first I was super excited because he publishes all the time. And these are big fat novels. So it's pretty impressive at first that he publishes so fast. Right. And at first I was so excited because I read really fast. And I was like, oh my God, he, he publishes almost as fast as I read. This is great. And then I started to realize every single mystery is the same. He, he changes out some of the details, but the story arc is exactly the same. Well, that's right. great. He can publish quickly, even these big long novels, but 
it's no fun for me to read. I already know what's going to happen. Right. So I kind of caution people away from using any sort of system or format and trust your creativity. Like if you, if this, if this feels like something that needs to be, you need to say in, in words on paper, remember who you're writing it for, remember why you're writing it and just write, Please. just write. Like rules were meant to be broken. You do need to know what they are to break them correctly, but you don't have to follow them all the time. Right. Oh, so uh, Adri's Big Dream that came out. Don't get so viewers and listeners don't get confused. If you look it up on Amazon, it says September 2020. But this came out. You wrote this in 2017. 2017. Three, yes, three it says September of 2020. Probably you're looking at the Kindle version because that's yeah. when I did all of my Kindles. Yeah, was in 2020. Um, but the soft cover came out in 2017. So. And so, you know, since since then, when you came out with all, when you came out with all of your books, so you've you've had you you when you when you look at all when uh, all your children's books as they as they as they've come out, you've put out a bulk of them since the pandemic started, correct? Well, what else are you going to do during a pandemic? <laughs> right. Um, so, so looking at it, you've only come out with, like I said, you came out with like 44, but you've only about, you've written about probably uh, two thirds of those since the pandemic started. Correct? Well, no, I would say published two thirds. Published. Of it, not written. Um, okay. And there's, there's a couple reasons for that. So first is um, my illustrator, Carlos has right around the start of the pandemic, he, he was able to I don't know what he did, but he did something with his illustration process where he went from first, he went from one page a day to two pages a day, which is already super fast. Like even a page a day is super fast. Right. And then a little while after that, he went from two pages a day to three pages a day. <laughs> so that's been a huge contributing factor to why, but also, um, so Adri's big dream came out in 2017 and then there was a big gap. People will see there was a big gap between that one and Gabby. And that is because he was AWOL for mm. quite a while. Oh, that's right. I remember you saying that. Yeah. 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 He was AWOL for a while. Not his fault in any way, shape, or form, but to the point where I was literally worrying about his health and safety, that I could yeah. not find him. I could not reach him. Um, I tried finding other illustrators even, but just nobody brought the same magic that he brings to my words. And... Ultimately, I didn't find him and it turned out, so he's in Venezuela and it turned out that for basically almost all of 2018, his country had no power. So of course I couldn't reach him because no power means no internet. <laughs> um, so just, you know, for, the, for those of us Vermonters who, you know, maybe had lost power in the last snowstorm or whatever, it comes back on pretty quickly. It was not a whole year and you still had running water and all of these other things. Count your blessings. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so once, once I found him, um, you know, we got to work to, we started working together again. And I, like I said, it started off as, I don't even think it started as one page a day, but then it became one page a day and he's just steadily been getting faster and faster. And I don't know how, I don't know how you get any faster than he already is, but. Right. Cause I, I looking at that, you've had, you, you can't, and then Gabby's special day, sad dragon. Amber sick day, Joey's big decision. So a lot of these have come out. Um, and up looking at that, it looks like you had 10 books that came out pre pandemic. 
You have 44 you. out now. So basically 75% of the books you've came out with so far have been, have been, you know, post, well, during the pandemic. During the so, pandemic, which seems to never end. Yes. <laughs> so my question, my question for you is what are some of the, uh, what are some of the opportunities, the opportunities and challenges that you've seen as an, as an author mm. that, that the pandemic has brought us brought up for you well i think like a lot of other creative industries we've had to get really creative as far as interacting with our fans mm. um i've done like virtual book launches whereas before i might have done like an event at a bookstore right but for quite a while there the bookstores weren't even allowing you to walk through the door right, <laughs> right? never mind an event with people in the store oh my god um and I say that sarcastically, but I do think it was a smart thing to, you know, try to protect everyone's health and safety until at least we understood better what was going on, because this was right. all new. Um, but it did, you know, it was very challenging. And at the time, like, I didn't have a big following on social media. Like, the whole point for me of doing those in purpose events was actually to grow my following also. So it was like, well, now what do I do? Right. Um, and I kind of had to just, for a while, I just did nothing. And I just said, you know what? The universe gives me this gift of writing and gives me these words and gives me these books and gave me Carlos to illustrate them. I'm just going to trust that they get where they need to go for right now. Cause it's, it was just too hard to even try to figure out how to navigate it. Um, and then I was like, and then, you know, I was like, okay, I need to do something. So I hired just like an Instagram coach because Instagram, when I first signed up for it was like a foreign language to me. I was like, what even is happening? So I hired an Instagram coach and she was amazing. And now I've got, you know, a decent following on there. I think there was a lot of silent approval. They're not super, you know, talkative. So, you know, if you want to follow me and actually engage, that'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> but I get a lot of like, you know, just sort of silent approvals. Um, and then just recently, I actually started work working with a book, book marketing expert because I know that I needed to sort of step into that more. Mm. Um, and now that the world is starting to open up again, I can also start to focus on things like going into camps and classrooms or doing even virtual visits at camps and classrooms because now the world is used to that. Right. Um, and I can also start to look at doing things like actual speaking engagements, whether I talk about you know the sort of stuff that we're talking about or I talk about more of like engaging children in their passions and, and how they're activists and, and all of that. <clears throat> um, and again, that could be done in person or virtually, but now that the world is opening up again, but is also used to this whole Zoom thing, um, there's more opportunities starting to show up. And I was like, all right, I need to, you know, figure out how to how to market this in a way that makes sense. Because that's a whole other type of writing. You know, like I write fiction books for children. Marketing stuff, that's like this whole other animal. And I was like, you know, it's okay to say we need help and I need help. Right. Um, you know, but at first it was very much just, I'm just going to keep doing what I do because just producing the books brings me joy. Right. Um, but more and more, I feel like, and I think part of this is something everyone is feeling in part because of the pandemic. I don't want to just do things just to, to earn a dollar and go to bed. I want to follow my joy. And these books are my joy. Helping, helping parents and teachers raise that next generation of activists, helping kids find their passion and their purpose. That's my joy. 
So why would I do anything else? Right. And if that means I have to invest in my future by hiring coaches, then so be it. Right. Um, <laughs> That's a good point. Would you say so? So so from that perspective, as we talked about, is if you're going to be a children's book author, number one, get an illustrator. Number unless two, you're, unless you're like super good and going to do it yourself. Yeah. So you're going to do it yourself. Get an editor. And an editor. So with that said, do you see now in the, the, the next evolution of just children's books in general is to get a social media person as well? I mean, I think that depends. Like everybody has their own comfort level with that sort right. of stuff. Like some people already, like they can hop on any... Like my editor actually is one of these people. She can hop on any social media channel and own it in in like weeks. Right. You know, she she's on all of them. And on all of them, she has all of these followers. And I'm like, how do you even? I don't like I, I'm still trying to understand like two. Like, what right. are you? Some people are really good at that. So if you're really good at that, you don't necessarily need that, right? Um, you know, some people who write fiction books of any type for children or otherwise they actually have careers in marketing. Well, if you right. already know how to do that and you feel comfortable marketing yourself, you don't need that person, right? right? So I think that is sort of a very personal decision based on your own skill set and where you see your gaps are. Right. But if you have gaps, yeah, hire someone to help you either fill them or just do it for you, whatever, you know, whichever it is you prefer. I, I like to do the work myself, but I want to do it in a way that is going to work. <laughs> so I hire somebody to teach me. But right. if you can also hire somebody who can just handle it, right? You just get it off my plate and hand it over to somebody. Right. It's also about what you feel like paying too, of course. But and so be, because of the, you know, with the us kind of like, what are what do you what do you also see now as some of the? I hate using the word. I, well, I don't say hate. Hate's a strong word. I'm I always challenge myself using the term the new normal because things just evolve. This is an evolution. Right. So it is. yeah, there is no, there is no normal in the first place. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and thank goodness for that. Huh? So where do you see, you know, where do you see the, as you, as you mentioned where you personally would, but where do you also see um, the self-publishing children's book world of, of the evolution that, uh, that could been that, We've been we've benefited from, or you you've benefited from with the uh, with the la over the last couple of years. So, a couple things on that. So, first of all, I think that self publishing is a really beautiful gift to the world because there are so many people that have such beautiful, important messages to share. But finding an agent and a publisher is a really hard and b really daunting. Mm. Um, but it doesn't mean their work's not valuable. That said, I do wish there was a certain degree of oversight. And I don't know what that would look like even, but I just know that self-publishing has a bad name because there is, a, there is I don't want to say a lot, but there is a fair amount of stuff that people have not had professionally edited right. out there. And it shows. And I don't care if you're writing for children, adults, young, you know, YA, old people, I'm sorry, seniors. Um, I don't mean, I don't mean to be derogatory. It's just a generational thing in my generation. It was old people, but it's seniors now. Um, <laughs> I don't care who you're writing for. If you're going to publish it, 
you should at least, at a minimum, have it professionally edited <laughs> so that your words, because if not, your words, your message get hidden behind all of these errors that could potentially be easily fixed. Right. Right. Um, a girlfriend of mine who is also a writer, um, and I did tell her to actually reach out to you, Barney. I don't know if she will, but I told her to. Okay. Um, but she was just a beta reader for someone. And this person, I, I don't even know their name. And even if I did, I wouldn't use it. But this person whose books that she was beta reading, literally, from what she told me, like stole elements of like classic tales, like Frankenstein and like classic stuff that everyone knows and like mashed them together into something that was supposed to be different, but it didn't really work. Now, the good thing is this woman hired a beta, is having beta readers who will provide honest feedback to her, right? I don't personally have beta readers because my books are shorter. I think that it can be very valuable in certain situations to have a beta reader. You need somebody to keep it real for you and to say, hey, look, like this worked, this didn't. Here's a typo, you know, here's a punctuation mistake, here's whatever. And as writers, none of that is personal. It feel it can feel personal because it's our soul on a page. Right. But it's not. It's to help you get your message across so that it's clean and it's easy to read and people are excited about it. Right. Otherwise, what's the point? So I do I, you know, I think there's I mean, there's two sides to everything, right? But I feel like with self-publishing of anything, it's it's a beautiful thing, but I, I wish that there was a little more oversight around quality control. <laughs> right. So be as you said, because the because nowadays with the bar set that it's the, the you know, self-publishing has created the democratization of authors in a way yes. that anybody can write. But at the same time, is it hard to get lost in the noise? Because oh, you, it, yeah, I mean, that's why I have marketing coaches, right? Because you, there's a lot of noise. There was a lot of noise even before. I mean, I've heard stories of people who actually managed to get like book deals with big publishing houses. And even those big publishing houses are not investing in marketing them. Right. So what was the point of getting this contract with the big marketing house? I don't know, because you still have to market your own stuff, apparently. <laughs> um, got me. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of noise out there, right? Everybody's on. Everybody's online. Everybody has a million browser tabs open. Everybody, you know, there's. If you're on your phone, you've got, you know, still got a million browser tabs open on your phone, and you've got message, you know, text messages coming in, and the phone's ringing, and you've got Facebook messages and Instagram messages, and God only knows what else going on, right? There's a lot of noise, right? Um, and that that's really where the marketing comes in is is cutting through that noise and finding your action, your market. Like, it's really easy to say, well, everyone will like my book. Everyone should read my book. That may be very well be true. Right. But who did you really write it for? Right. You know, and I think especially with kids' books, it's easy to just be like, well, everyone needs a kids' book. Yes, but some children will enjoy it more than others. <laughs> Who did you really write it for? <laughs> so let's talk a bit about let's talk a bit about your 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 book series. So so what would you do? So say for instance, 
you have a somebody you know we we uh, like a view, viewer viewer saying listen you know sarah your books sound amazing i have a niece and i want to buy her three of your books okay like what would be a good starter kit a sarah so my first question would kit. be what is your niece into and or her parents like and by into i mean like what are they passionate about in terms of like in act in, in terms of activism you know don't tell me they're into cars and trains tell me why they're into cars and trains right. <laughs> um <laughs> and then depending on that answer so i'll just make one up right. um let's say you tell me they're into the environment okay cool so i would say and i'm just going to turn around because it's a lot of books to remember um <laughs> <laughs> so i'm going to look at myself so i would say start with layla's goal um the Little Lost Bee and Emily Jane's Trees. Start with those three for the environment and then go from there, right? Maybe there's something in one of those books that like sparks something else, right? right. Um, you know, through my website, there's a contact form on there and people are welcome to email me and, and ask for suggestions or whatever. Um, you know, I'm happy. I'm always happy to kind of help guide that process. At some point in the next week to two weeks, I hope, um, I'm actually going to have a download on there um, for people. It's it's called uh, Eight Ways to Help Your Child Find Their Passion and Purpose. Okay. And so with that download, you may then get, and it, it will be where the stay in touch is. It will be right there. Um, right. <laughs> so, um but there's also the contact page if people just want to email me. But with that download, um, that will help. That may help you to say like, "Oh, my kid! I just figured out my, you know, my kid's really into whatever." Um, yeah, go to at the top, Barney. Go to contact, and you'll see the contact page. There you go. There it is. Um, so yeah, like it. Um, you know, so that download could be really useful for helping sort of hone in on that if you're not sure. Okay. Uh, but in the meantime, yes, feel free to email me and I will help you through it right. <laughs> in some way. Because, <laughs> yeah, that would be like safe. Like, would you like have something, as you say, like, here's if you're interested in a few books, it, like you said, like, here's a, a couple quite like a three questions then i can give you uh i'll give you an idea of what kind of books yeah so i mean honestly the first question is literally just what are you know what are they into right um you know anyone who saw me at like any of my farmers markets over the summer or whatever that was always my first question when they would say what do you recommend what's your kid into right um <laughs> you know um and usually that's enough for me to make a recommendation right from there um right. But like I said, that download, if you're not sure what they're into, when that download is up in the next week or two, I hope, it, it's written. It's just all the technical bits have to get put together. Right. Um, but once that's, once that's up there, if you're not sure what they're into, that will have some tips to help you figure out what they're into. And then you can say, hey, this is what they're into, and, here's, and I can suggest some books from right. there. Um, and this you know, is a really cool. So, I mean, people definitely, this is, this is new since we talked last year, yes. the website, 
Sarah Wood authoress dot word. Sarah Woodard, my full name. Sarah Woodard authoress. Sarah Woodard authoress dot wordpress, WordPress dot com. com. Yes. Yeah. It's a mouthful. Sorry. <laughs> and on there, like you can, as I say, people can click on your books. Uh, you know, you have a good about me page. But yeah. also, and we, I just want to remind some of our listeners and uh, listeners and viewers out there, you do also still have your your Patreon. I do, wow. and I love my subscribers very much. So I would love to have you join me there. Yes. <laughs> And what are some of the benefits that people could just to remind our listeners and viewers? Yeah, so to, to me, start. the coolest one is actually at seven dollars and above. There's coloring pages that are actually from the the pics, from like the pages of the books. That's awesome. Um, I haven't added any any new ones in a little bit because the there isn't they're not actively being downloaded. But as soon as they are, I'll upload more. Right. Um, so to me, that's the coolest one. But yeah. also people get to see like behind like behind the scenes, like what I'm working on right now, like a sample page. Um, most of the time, I also remember to upload a cover before the book is published. I admit sometimes I forget because like <laughs> I try. Um, that is the intention. And 99% of the time I do it. But every once in a while, I'm like, ah. Um, so, yeah. And then, yeah, you can read them all on there. But right. it's a cool thing. I right. I think yeah, that's a great, I mean, I, cause I mean, a lot of this too is like, you actually get, you know, as you say, you get things for your, for your money on here. So it is a, right. it's a, it's a, it's a really good, you know, transactional approach where people will able to support you, but also get something in return as well. Yeah. Which is, great. which is always nice. Right. I mean, even like PBS is like, yes, with your gift of such and such, we'll send you this thing. So. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And you have, uh, and, and so talk to us again, again, just to remind people like, the, is Carlos also putting the words on this or do you? So I sent him like a, a Google doc or a word doc and he basically copies, I think he copies and pastes them onto the pages. Okay. Um, so that the, the color and the text and stuff all goes, all matches. Um, you know what, let me grab a book and I'll just hold it up. So at least okay. people can see. Cause I think if you like, you can do the view inside the look inside thing, but I don't think it shows. I don't think. Yeah, it, it's very limited in what it shows you. So okay. let me just grab one. Hang on. Excuse me. So this is this is Jenny's gift, which was the one you had talked about at the beginning. Right. Um, and then so what he does is he puts the he puts the words on, but I'm pretty sure he just copies and pastes. Okay. Yeah. But it makes it, and then so only one side has the images because I personally, I, and and only I feel like, I mean, everybody has their own sort of way that they want to um, present their books or whatever. But to me, having just the one, the one page with the with the words and the drawing and the one page blank makes it less distracting. Okay. Okay. So that's why I do it that way. But everyone, you know, everyone has sort of their own logic and their own way of doing things. And that's okay too. Right. Um, but I personally just think that it's nice because they just have that one page to look at in front of right. them. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I got to say, I mean, it's like, I said, I even, I, I'm still, I'm still wrapping my head around the fact that you've, you've done 13 books in like six months. Carlos is amazing. I have no other explanation for you. <laughs> <laughs> 
he's incredible. And also never not writing, but right. he's obviously never not drawing. Um, right. Yeah. So you give him enough to do. Does he do this now? This is like his full-time job now? You give him enough I, I, I don't really have any insight. Like he's into Venezuela and we are, we are, we're definitely friends and kind of even family at this point, but I don't necessarily have insight into if he's taking other work. He's certainly welcome to, right. um, but I don't think he needs to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And and so so where do you at now? Because you said as you said you got you got still have thirty as we as we talked we you still have thirty one books. Yes. Um, drop written up right now. Yes. Um, how. So at this at, at this rate now, are you still going to be able to do two books, two based around about two books a month coming in? I'm never not writing, so I don't see why it's a problem. Um, <laughs> I mean, I literally just just over the weekend sent number seventy five to my editor, and she sent it back to me this morning, yesterday. I forget. Sure. Um, so yeah, I don't see it being a problem. There's, Do you I mean, have any like everywhere? In the there's stories everywhere. I feel honestly, I feel like the bigger problem I have is deciding what goes next. Right. Like, do you have it like any? Is there? I know you had one sequel where you actually had used a character twice. Yeah, which the sequel actually isn't even out yet. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you? Is there ever going to be a point where you're gonna? That you're trying. I wouldn't say like force a situation, but wanting to come up with a story where you can have a combination of a few protagonists get together is there that could happen i don't know i flow with it i see you know what comes up and where it goes i i, I never say never right. um not anymore <laughs> i said i was never going to sell my house in nashua new hampshire and move to move anywhere and the next thing anyway i was moving to vermont <laughs> so i never say never anymore um it could happen um right. but the the one you were talking about with the sequels is ellie of the woods and right. the sequels will actually be for ya so that well not even ya they're like beginner chapter books so mm -hmm. it's sort of in between children and ya right. um they are not out yet they are written they are edited i'm trying to decide how i want to handle illustrations because Beginning chapter books have some illustrations, but they're not necessarily in color and it's not on every page. And so I'm trying to figure that out because I can't give him instructions if I don't know. Um, right. So once I figure that out, they, you know, that'll all in good time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like you said, you've had 31, but if you average out, basically you're averaging out then like 24 books a year. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So you're going to hit Richard Scarry's goal within like six, 24 bucks. I'm doing my math here. Um, Better you than me. Yeah. 12 years you'll be able to, right? I'll, I'll believe you. Um, <laughs> so that means I could even do more because in 12 years, I'll still have plenty of life left to live. So yeah, you're going to just, yeah, definitely get out. out outpace richard years, scary yeah, by that 12 point years, i'll be 54 so yeah. yeah that i could definitely keep writing after that you could definitely <laughs> keep writing yeah. yeah and in my family that's like middle-aged really because most of my family lives to be at least 100 so so there you go yeah 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 um 
So you gotta you gotta, you gotta beat that other author. So you gotta make your goal like five hundred. Yes. Yeah, so, okay. So how long? Okay, Barney, do the math. How long would it take me to get to five hundred? Twenty years. Okay. Twenty years. Sure. Yeah. That yeah. sounds good. I could do that. Yeah. See, you could do that. That's easy. As long as Carlos doesn't, you know, get injured or sick or <laughs> anything, we're good. Like, you know, I need that other half of the equation. Because um, he, he brings the magic. He brings. No, he does. Is there is there any books that um, upcoming scripts that you're like oh I can't wait for people to read this one like do you have I mean you're not supposed to have you're not supposed to have your favorite child but do you have one that you think might I feel like that about all of them every time I'm every time I'm working on one I'm like oh I can't wait for this one yeah. <laughs> it's every time that's my joy it's it's my happy place yeah. um, I can say that the one that is with my illustrator now is actually um, about losing a childhood pet mm. and coping with that. Um, and I think that's actually really valuable because there's not a lot out there about that and it happens mm. and it's a hard thing. Um, initially when I wrote it, it was about a dog and a girl losing her dog. But my, one of my cats passed away just last week. And right. so, um, and I wrote this book a long time ago, but I revived it and I was like, this one needs to be next, but I revived it and made it about losing a cat instead. Right. And, and, um, Carlos, he and I are friends on Facebook and Instagram. So he, he had seen pictures of this cat and he saw my like rest in peace, you know, post and stuff. And he actually sent me that same day, a, a drawing that he made of this cat just to like, make me feel better, which was so sweet. Um, I think, I, yeah, yeah. It was that you shared that on Facebook. I did. Yes, yeah. I did. And so, um, he was able to kind of just use that as sort of like the jumping off point for this book. And there is, there is also one written about losing a dog, um, I wound up with two of those because I was actually processing something that had happened when I was a little girl with my childhood dog and it became a book about losing a dog. So it worked to change this one to a cat anyways. Now there's one for cat and one for dog that isn't out yet, but um, it, it worked out. So. Right. Do you, so, so, so yeah. So, so with, with, with that said, do you see some, as you mentioned before about the, the kind of early chapter book, as your readers seem to kind of evolve, do you kind of feel kind of an obligation to your readers who are getting older to do beginning chap beginner chapter books as well, just to kind of. No, cause I feel like I don't feel an obligation. Like that's just how those showed up. Right. Okay. But those readers that like the young readers that graduate to beginning chapter books, that's awesome. And that's exciting. And there's other authors doing that. Um, not that I never will again, but there's just, you know, there's other authors who do it and there's always new one. There's always new readers coming in, right? Like people are always having children. There's never going to not be children to read of the right. right age to read these books. So I don't right. feel like I need to graduate with them. Right. Um, if it happens that I write some more beginner chapter books, cool. If it doesn't, that's cool too. Right. Um, and what, and what about since you've obviously you, you have a lot of books, is there, is there a point where you might, look at doing like a um a collection series like here's four books in one so that people can like a theme maybe maybe yeah you know like i said never say never <laughs> um, you know it it's certainly something that could be done um for right now i'm sort of just there they all can stand alone and so i'm sort of just allowing them to do that right um but yeah who knows <laughs> 
Because that, yeah, then you could have a, you know, at least, you know, then when people would be able to, as you get more and more books and wanting people to have the entire series, the Sarah, you know, the Sarah Woodard series, being able to have those in volumes would be good. Yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah. Definitely something to think about. Either way, they're going to need to clear up a lot of shelf space. They, exactly. <laughs> My goodness. 44. You have 75 written so far. Yeah. That's yeah. wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. well, thank you so much, Sarah. We're at it. We're at, we see this was quick. We're already at our hour mark. So yeah, that was. It's always too fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So can I get you back on probably again in a few months? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I would love to. Yeah. And well, we could talk specifics about some of your yeah some specific books that you want to talk about. So that'd be great. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'm I'm always game. You know that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. And please, everybody, check out. Yeah, go go to um, go to Sarah Woodard Authoress dot WordPress dot com. And you're gonna put check. it in the show notes, so we'll do the out down arrow fingers. That's right. It'll be in the show notes. <laughs> check out the show notes. If you're looking at it on a video, it's right there in the description. If you're listening to this in your in your on your car ride or your bus ride or your plane ride uh just click on the show notes and you'll see the link right there so thank you very much sarah thank you it was very nice seeing you again yeah and we'll we'll, we'll see you back you'll, we'll, you'll come back on again excellent thank you And your bookshelf is getting thicker and thicker. You're getting more and more books. Yeah, and my my most recent, like, like five or six, are not even on my shelf yet because author copies take a while. <laughs> and I don't order like because I publish so quickly. I wait until I have like a decent number that I need because I have to pay for shipping for author copies. So I wait until I have a bunch, and then I order them. Um, oh, okay. So like wow. my most recent, like five or six aren't even on there yet. The shelf is going to be pretty full and then I don't know what I'm going to do, but because <laughs> I'm out of wall space. <laughs>